Hey everyone, I'm going to do another repost here with this episode. It was just too good to not share. Um, I got introduced to a guy named Dr. Jeff Anzalone, and many of you who are in the kind of the real estate space or in real estate uh, kind of learning about syndicates and funds like that know of him. He's a periodontist out of, out of Louisiana, and he runs a website called Debt Free Doctor. Um, and he's passionate about real estate, he's passionate about dentistry. So he and I have been connected. Uh, through multiple sources, and he reached out on Twitter because we're both active there. And he, he said, hey, come on, let's have a conversation. So we have an amazing conversation. We talk about real estate. We talk about family and kids and, and, how, to, and how to balance kind of being entrepreneurial at the same time spending the, the finite amount of time you have with them at home. Um, we talk about dentistry as the investment, I'm sorry, as, as the vehicle for investment into things like real estate and tax advantage situations and things like that. So it's an exciting conversation. It's one I heard. I actually listened to it myself because I wanted to, you know, sometimes you just want to hear what the heck you're talking about. And I was like, you know, this is good. And I think it should be repurposed to our audience. So again, hope you enjoy it. I love speaking to people on this channel that think outside the box that that have a, a quote normal job like they're a a dentist or they're a doctor or they're a engineer or whatever but they do so many more different things because it's all about how you think about things it's all about your mindset it's all about your perception of life and i'm super excited to talk with one of those people today dr peter bolden thanks for joining us yeah happy to be here so for those out there that don't know a whole lot about you, give me give me a little bit of your clinical back your your clinical background from dentistry, and then kind of how you got in here today, because I think that's going to set us up for what we're yeah. going to talk about today. I'll keep it I'll keep it as pithy as possible. Um, graduated dentistry two thousand actually two thousand two. Uh, went on to become one as an associate, and two years later, opened my own practice two thousand five. Fast forward to today. Um, eight operating practices, all fee for service. Um, a lot of real estate started it in 2016 with a podcast, and it's called the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast, which focuses on the business and the marketing and the operations of dentistry, not how do you cut a crown kind of thing. Um, and um, and so that's kind of the other half. And so now we have you know, conferences and masterminds and all sorts of things. We just got back from the win Las Vegas and uh, had about 500 people there. So it was pretty, pretty cool. So that's, uh, it kind of sums up where I am. I live in Atlanta, um, and, uh, married in 15 years and three kids. So that's kind of, that's kind of my, my nutshell as, as you can get. I guess I got to ask you, are you a Falcons fan? You know, I was. I was actually a sponsor. My practice was a sponsor. I think we sponsored the the cheerleading team. Yeah, I'm no dummy, but uh, we got the same the same. But it's been tough. It's been tough to to be a Falcons fan as of as of late. But you know, you always root for your hometown teams. It's easier to be a Braves fan. Let's just put it that way. That's right. Well, uh, you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording, and we and you you no longer practice clinical dentistry correct correct yes okay. i left that out of the timeline yeah 2018 i, I stopped so i was a cl practicing clinically practicing for 16 plus years okay so 
whenever most people, myself included, because I I finished in two, I, I graduated in two thousand, then I graduated Perio from two thousand five. So whenever people graduate dental school, medical school, whatever, our thinking is we're going to work for 30, 40 years, single job, 401k, and, and we'll have kids and we'll have a house and vacation and all that. That is the typical mindset. So yes. my question to you is where, what, where along the path of your life did you decide on number one, you don't have to do that. Number two, to be able to retire from clinical dentistry in less than 20 years. What, what did you have yeah. like a, that aha moment? Yeah. So I think what, one of the things that attracted me to dentistry was that autonomy, that independence, right? That being, being able to be an entrepreneur and have your own business, so to speak. I mean, I don't think I've ever really had job meaning i've had when i was when i was growing up i had pressure washing business because i didn't like i didn't like someone telling me what to do so that was either a blessing or a curse um but you know i think that's what attracted me to dentistry honestly and then just figuring out that there was no ceiling meaning when i got out of school i was kind of middle of the pack jeff you know you were more of the top of the pack because you had to, uh, to get there to spe specialize but i was middle of the pack i had limited options in dentistry you know, I graduated probably, I think we had 50 people at our dental school and I was probably lower, lower half. Um, so, so GPRs and orthodontic residencies and things like that were really not on the table for me. So I got out and my professor was like, look, here's what you're going to do. You're going to make the time. This was 20 years ago. So he's like, look, you're going to, you're going to make $150,000 a year because you're a generalist and that's what you're going to make the rest of your life. If you had to graduate a specialist, you would have made 210. But, and I was like, well, that's great because I make zero now. So that seems like all the money in the world. I'm good with that. Right. Then only to get out into, into the open, open space of the, of the big wide world and understand that there's no limitations. And honestly, the first lady I worked for as an associate really opened my eyes to it. I remember seeing her W2. Um, you know, I was kind of as an associate and being like, is there one more number here than there should be. Like, you know, it was a seven figure salary. I was like, there's obviously no limits in de in dentistry. Um, so it just, it just kind of gave me permission to, you know, set, set my thermostat. You know, I think everyone's built with a thermostat of where they're comfortable. And I think it, it was just going a little bit higher and realizing mm -hmm. that there's no limits in dentistry. The other thing, the other revelation I had, I'm kind of, kind of extricating myself out of dentistry was that I became obsessed with the fact that kind of like your story about getting hurt. I recognized that when I went on vacation that I still had payroll and I still had a lot of things going on. So I didn't really have a business, you know, in 2000, let's call it 2004, I had a job and I had a great job, but without me there, um, you know, LeBron James has a job, <laughs> you know, it's a great job too, you know, and I'm, so I'm not, I'm not denigrating the fact that it's a job and not a business, but we kind of conflate, you know, in dentistry, we kind of conflate the two and they're saying, like, oh, my practice and, and, but your practice doesn't make money if you're not there. And so I became obsessed with this idea of, of, of scaling to the place where, where I wanted to become optional in the practice, right? My collections wanted to become optional. My income from dentistry would be op, try to be optional. And so it was a long range goal. And, you know, and I just went to work obsessively on that because goals, I think are just your superpower. If you can get it, if you can get good at goal making, it become your superpower. So sorry about the rant there, but I was trying to wrap all of that together. <laughs> no, no, not, not, not at all. It, it sounds like 
and I have not asked you this question yet, but it sounds like you maybe were exposed to the Purple Bible, Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, maybe? It was more, um, it was more actually the, and I'm going to draw a blank on the book, but it's more uh, work in your business, not on your business. I'm sorry, work on your business, not in your business kind of thing. Okay. Um, what is that from? Uh, the Seven Habits of, of, of a Highly Successful? Maybe, is that what it is? Maybe, maybe so. No. I know that. It's the entrepreneurial. Anyway, there's a book, the entrepreneurial myth, or something like that. E myth anyway, or something. E myth. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. So we, we got there together. Okay. Um, yeah, the e myth. You know, and that kind of that kind of really resonated with me. There was another book um, that was called Built to Sell that really kind of just like those two books kind of locked it in for me, and it was like, okay, I get yeah. this. This is the game, right? This is how you do it. Yeah, so, because, uh, have you read Rich Dad Poor Dad? I have, I have not. I got to tell you, I don't know if this can be controversial, but the, the times I've heard him speak, I was highly turned off by the advice. So I just never went there and maybe it conceptually it is, yeah. but like, there's just some awful advice. I don't know. I'm, I'm again, probably shouldn't go there, but uh, I've read bits and pieces enough to know that I don't know, this doesn't do it for me. Well, the, what you, what you mentioned, you know, one of his, uh, I guess the sequel to his books called the cash flow quadrant mm -hmm. and what you were talking about that you in 2004 2005 you just had a job you know mm -hmm. were you were you self-employed or you still work i had my own practice in 2000 that's why yeah so it was basically at that point i'd gone out and done a startup fee for service and it was okay. like okay well no vacations for a while because if i leave um i will not be able to make payroll because I, not only does the vacation cost money but the payroll cost you know opportunity costs right kind of thing. so sorry i interrupted but no, no, not at all. But but he talks about, you know, the the quote, the left side, he calls the poor side, which is the employee or the self-employed, where we still have to trade time for money. We still have to treat patients or we mm -hmm. don't get paid. And like you said, if we go for a week or maybe a month, it's it's not like most dentists can't afford the vacation, but it's like we can't afford really to take it because of, like you said, the payroll and everything else. And then guess what? You actually don't really enjoy it while you're gone. At least that was the case for me. Cause I was realizing like, yeah, I'm on vacation and this is great. But like, I couldn't detach because I knew that it was, it was the opportunity costs were just so high. Right. So it was almost like I shouldn't have just gone. And mm -hmm. maybe that's my own, you know, toxic trade or fatal flaw, so to speak. Oh. But, but that, that was just, it was just real. Um, yeah. You, you got it. So he, he wants us to move to the right side, which is the quote, the, the rich side, which is the, the, the business owner where you've got the, all the practices. You don't have to be there. You've got the systems in place or the, what he calls the investor quadrant, which is your money is working for you with real estate or, or cash flowing businesses. And it sounds like that's, that's where you are. So if, if I'm a dentist out there or if I'm a, if I'm somebody working, I'm a high income earner. I'm uh, I'm either an employee or I, I own my own business, I own my own practice. What are the maybe the first couple of steps would you recommend that person take that wants to get away from what you did? You know, trading time for money, having to be there for the money to come in. What what do you recommend? I mean, I think the first step, and then we we encounter this a lot in Bulletproof. You know, we do coaching and consulting and seminars and things like this. And so you, you, we spend a lot of time with the, the person as the human, meaning that sometimes in dentistry, maybe you've seen this, that people will, will 
hear that, oh, private equity wants you to have six locations. And so they're like, okay, well, I guess I'll get six locations only to find out that that you were not built for that, meaning know thyself. You were not built for, for the entrepreneurial vision. You were more of a craftsman and you really wanted to get involved with your craft. So I, I think if your goal is authentic first, that should be the number one thing. If you can feel it in your core and it's pulling you as opposed to you being pushed to that goal, right? Mm-hmm. For me, it was just, it was pulling me. I wanted real estate and I wanted a large operation. I wanted scale. And I wanted complexity and it pulled me there. But I have seen it cause a lot of conflict in dentistry when someone is copying and pasting someone else's vision or goals only because they think that's where the pot of gold is. And and there's nothing more unfulfilling than than probably getting to that pot of gold. Let's just say you were pushed all the way and then realizing that you're still not fulfilled. And so I think fulfillment is a big thing to encounter. We actually say this in Bulletproof, Jeff, that fulfillment, you know, as we talk about KPIs and and things like that, and here's what you should study. We actually, we actually say that like fulfillment is the ultimate KPI because without that, none of this shit matters. It just doesn't. So my, my advice would be, would be, so, so put that aside, right? So all I'm saying with that is it's not for everyone because because some people would be happier being a kick-ass associate with being able to go in, do their craft, collect a couple million dollars a year in dentistry, and go home with no pressure, right? Sometimes in dentistry, we have to be the operator and we have to be the key personnel and that makes the income. And and sometimes when you look at people's PLs, you actually would have been better served and made more money and probably been happier if you had worked for someone else because the entrepreneurial profit out of that isn't what you think it is for some people. Now for the other people, now I'm going to flip to the, the other side, which I think was where your question was. So the people who are looking for that, right? There is no limit kind of like you, what you were alluding to. And so provided that you have good systems, good operations, you kind of have a true and clear goal of where you want to go. Then, then, then it's really liberating to see like, look, you can buy real estate, you can grow practices in a, you know, and all of this is kind of rewarded in a tax abated environment. Um, you know, I just think that that can be just, it's just, it's just an amazing, amazing system to take advantage of. Last thing I'll say is I just think dentistry is the, the kind of the, the mo- not last thing I'll say on this. I think dentistry is the most beautiful profession in the world for this very reason. And that you have the freedom of your direction, right? If you want to do all the things like I just spoke about, if you want to go out and scale and sell to private equity and get that, whatever, you want to focus on, hey, I just want to work three days a week in my practice and grow that, right? Because time is my most, I have the freedom of direction of time, right? If I want to do freedom of purpose, right? If I want to give back to charities and be integral in my community and take, you know, take Medicaid or whatever as, as your philanthropic venture back, you have that freedom too. And not many professions have that ability to have the, be able to pivot on all aspects and, and kind of carve out what you want. So I think it's imperative that people spend a full day sitting by themselves and figuring out who they are. Cause I don't know about you. I think you're almost 50 years old, just like me. And then it probably wasn't until my forties, late forties, that I figured out who the hell I was and what the hell I really wanted. Right. And I'm living authentically finally. But for a lot of that time, it was kind of like living for other people and doing goals for other things and figuring out things along the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's, it's just, it's imperative to know thyself. I'm not sure I answered your question, Jeff. So if you want to rephrase it at this point, it's totally fine. 
Um, I think your your question was, what advice would you give to someone who just wants to go out and absolutely crush it from an entrepreneurial side? Is that is that accurate? Yeah, but I, I think you you definitely okay. You help them because you have number one. You you like you said, you got to figure out who you are. Yeah. Do I want to, do I want to work with somebody? I and hate happy? that answer, right? Don't you hate the answer with like you ask for someone's advice and they're like, "Well, it depends," right? And you're like, "Damn it." Just give me the, give me the, just give me the nuts of it. Right. I don't want to hear it depends on this and that and that. Just tell me the thing. Well, I we, think, can, we can go further with this. So, I, so let me throw this at you. People come to, into my ecosystem, dentists, physicians, et cetera. And, and, and most of the stuff that we're teaching is about real estate and syndications right. and where they can still practice, where they can still focus on what they know best, their trade, and then take that money to, to kind of, you know, uh, replace their income. And so they come to me with typically two, two reasons. Number one, I want passive income. And number two, I, I don't want to, I want to do something where I can lower my tax bill. Okay. So th that's what they come to me about. Yep, And then we start diving into it a little bit more and it, it becomes very clear to me, like they're all over the place. They're asking all these questions, you know, how, what about this? Well, how does depreciation work? And mm -hmm. why are y'all charging the, these kind of fees and all this? And then I'll ask them, what are you doing with your money right now? And they're like, well, I, I, my financial advisor puts it in 401k. It's like, well, okay, well, what do you have it in? I don't know. I don't know. I just have like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are, you are the, have become the ultimate researcher for what could potentially just blow it out of the park for you. Yet you just blindly. So you're telling me you want to go to Destin, Florida and everything that you're doing, the car is pointed to California. So why? So, so help me, help me with that. Cause I'm struggling with that with people help, help me for the person out there that maybe, maybe is just analysis paralysis or they're all over the place. Or number one, are you seeing that in your group yes, when people get in? And then number two, what are you helping them with? with yeah, that? so I think, <laughs> man, there's so much to unpack there. So I think humans, when we get confused about what to do, we default to the easy button, right? And so it's like, hey, that's my financial guy's job. I will trust them because you know they took me to dinner or bought me a sporting event ticket and i trust them and dentists are very trusting people as a whole which is great and it's like hey i'm just going to shovel my money to him and and hope and pray that it goes well meaning i don't know what's in like you said i don't know the funds i don't know i don't know the carry on stuff like that i don't know what he's charging it's just like hey he's a good guy here's my money and so work 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 spent send stuff in, into the abyss right and hope that when you need it it's accrued to where you can retire, you're hoping that the tax rate at that point is beneficial for when you're going to, you know, to remove it from that 401k, um, which you, no one knows. So me, I'm always been, that's never really resonated with me. Um, now I think that there is a place to do it in a, in a tax advantage situation, meaning a defined benefit plan in your solo LLC, right? Taking advantage of all the, all the, um, tax deductions for that, right? Like I, so I'm still a fan of the 401k. I'm not sitting here saying like, I hate the 401k. So I use it up into the point where it, it, my tax advantages are now gone. So I use it, check the box. And then all of my discretionary income goes to other places, real assets that I can touch and feel and have some kind of control over. 
And so that's just that's just my my investing thesis, you know. And I'm a big fan of crypto. Crypto. Actually, I'm just I'm not going to say crypto anymore. I'm just a big fan of Bitcoin um, and things like that because it's mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a fan of scarce assets, either digital or physical. Um, and so that's where that's where I like to deploy things. So it's either practices, real estate, uh, or Bitcoin. <laughs> okay. Well, well, for somebody out there that's that. That's what they're searching for. They're searching for other streams of income and they're searching mm-hmm. for ways of taxes, but yet they don't know where to start. They're just like, man, I'm so overwhelmed with this. What what would you recommend that they focus on? And you mentioned this earlier in the, and when we started, you know, you know your lane right. and you stay in your lane. Right. So how would you recommend that person? Yeah, so that real that's estate. they're wanting. So real estate, you know, the passive income thing, I think is a little misleading unless you're going to invest in a fund that's really going to charge a management fee. That's really going to make you passive. And then it's mailbox money. If you are the sole owner of a piece of real estate, sometimes it's passive and sometimes it's active, right? Leaks, HVAC going out, X, Y, Z, you just never know. So I, I love it that real estate is quote unquote passive, but sometimes we know that that's not the truth unless you have a management barrier in front of you, right? It's like, never call me unless the building's on fire kind of thing. Um, so personally, you know, I know that there's, you know, um, investment in like multifamily and things like that. I am personally not involved with that. Uh, because I, I think I had PTSD from owning a rental house and, you know, the circa 2005 and all that. If it's anything like that, I want nothing to do with it. So me personally, I went to the straight commercial real estate. Okay. So if you're, de- so to your, to your question, if you're a dentist and you're looking where to go, my first building that I ever bought was in a location, Jeff. It was a um, it was an MRI building, and so I looked at this strategically as an investor. I said, okay, it, they have a seven year term with some options, but options, as we know, are to the benefit of the tenant, not you, right? So it was a seven year term, and I said, okay, I'm gonna I will buy this real estate because the cap, the yield on it was really good. Right. It was a nine cap at the time. I was like, okay, I like this investment. I like this that I'll be able to uh, you know, depreciate this asset. I like that I'll be able to accelerate the depreciation through cost segregation. Okay, so I checked the boxes of it, it all of my things. Okay? And it was a physical asset near me. The second thing I said is, okay, what happens if this tenant, this corporate national tenant, goes dark? Which might not happen. In dark, I mean by out of business, or they or they ghost you, or they just leave the facility and they're no longer paying debt. What do I do in that instance? And so I would make sure that real estate that I bought, I could backfill with a dental location as a contingency, right? That it was non-cannibalistic to a location that I already had. So if it was next door to a dental practice, no matter how good the deal is, I wouldn't really look at it because what was my contingency in in what I just in the aforementioned example. So I think it's nice to just look at um your investments, not just from the cap rate, like you hear about on Twitter a lot, or not just from the yield of you know this or not from the escalator. It's nice to look at the oh shit scenario. And I don't know if you have cussing on your pod, so sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it's nice to look at it from from the oh my gosh what what uh, what now kind of thing and so hopefully you never have to exercise that that op- that option but that would be something that I would say okay that gives me power over the average real estate investor because they do not have a business to be able to put into that 
right? So I am less vulnerable in this investment than some other just agnostic commercial investor. But you you said a lot of terms in there that that people that aren't familiar with real estate. I mean, you had like a sentence there where you talk about cap rate, you talk about accelerated depreciation, you talk about cost segregation study, which we're teaching that all the time. But mm-hmm. did you, that's almost like going to dental school and you're learning all this terminology, like me, yeah. this tool, this and that. So did you learn that as you were yes. going through the process or are you like most people that want to learn everything up front? Let me learn everything there is before I jump in. So that that's what's holding back a lot of people that I see. So tell me, tell me about a little bit about how you approach things. Like yeah. That. So I'm a quick start. If you look at any kind of personality thing, right? Like I'm a, I'm a ready fire aim kind of guy um, in certain instances. And so I, I learned on, you know, I think the best educator is sometimes getting your butt kicked in certain instances and not catastrophically kicked, but just being like, Ooh, I won't do that again. Right. And so I had, I had a lot of accelerated learning Jeff through, through jumping into the Petri dish and then being like, Ooh, that was good. Or that was bad. And I think perfection, you know, so many dentists are perfectionists, right? Are, we have success and a failure is predicated by, you know, a quarter millimeter in a crown, for instance, right? Success versus failure. It's very binary to them. And perfection can kind of be, uh, is the enemy of execution. Right. And so if you're trying to get all the deals and you're trying to get this perfect deal and you're trying to learn all the nuances of, of cost segs and accelerated depreciation, and all that stuff, like you will never get off zero. You will sit there and you will just analysis, like you said, analysis by paralysis until the day you die. And there's time value of money to things. So, you know, and I'm not saying rush into things, but, but obviously we know the power of compounding. And so, you want to get in, you want to get involved in deals and investments and compounding as soon as possible. So I don't, you know, but again, that go back, that goes to back to know thyself, you know? And, and I just, I know that like, okay, I'm more comfortable being a little bit like living on the edge a little bit, so to speak, knowing that, that I'm, that I'm going to have my butt kicked in certain instances, but there's nothing like, there's no greater teacher than, than, than life experience a, and then being forced in a situation where you really need to learn very quickly as opposed to like, I'll just take my time and learn kind of thing. So how many kids did you say you had three, three? And what are their ages? 13, 10 and nine. All right. A lot of our members, as, as I'm sure a lot of your members have kids too. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? What, what are you and your wife doing to teach them about are you just letting the the local schools whether it's public or private teach them about society and how money works and and jobs and all that or or because i get this asked a lot and and i'm and and i really are you know my kids are 18 and 16 you know like i said one of them plays college football so a lot of those players are always over there they're 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 just lost to go on their own you know kind of separate ways we were at uh I'm one of the FCA fellowship of Christian athletes sponsors. So we had a, we meet every week and, and not only reporting into them about that, but also just everything that's going on in, in life. So what are some of the things that you're doing or you recommend people do that are raising kids to find success in life? 
This is a great question. And no one's ever asked me this. Um, that's a great question. Um, so one of my goals, you know, going back to kind of the North star of your goals and things that kind of pull you was, was when I had my first daughter, I said to myself, I was like, what my number one goal is I want to take her to school in the morning. Right. I was when I just had one kid. And because I knew that that would be kind of a special time. It's when I'm better in the morning. It's when she's fresh, she'd be fresh. And so like that was goal for goal number one for me to get to and, and not take a massive pay cut at the same time. Right. I could always just be like, Oh, no patience until then, but I wanted to kind of like have that in place. Okay. So yeah, my kids are in a uh, Episcopal school. Um, right. But, but even then, can you know you can't rely on on what they're what they're learning so i use that time in the car with them you know it's about 15 minutes every morning and we just kind of talk about life and we talk about business and i teach them about the things that you had kind of said you know we're not we're not at cost segs and cap rates and stuff yet but we're at like <laughs> hey is that a depreciating asset or is or is that an appreciating asset you guys tell me and they're like depreciate you know things like that so I am a big fan of, uh, and I guess maybe Jim Rohn said this, but you are the product of the five people you hang out with. And I remind them of this all the time. I said, if your dad was to hang out with five fat guys, who do you think would be the sixth? And they're like, you would be. And I was like, that's right. That's right. And if your dad hung out with five broke guys who had zero aspirations and were crappy dadders, who do you think would be the sixth? You would be, dad. You're right. And I, and I truly believe that you are the product of, of people, maybe not the five, but you are, you are a product of your environment. And so I said, look, I'm not saying choose your friends based on what you want, but you, but you need to choose wisely because it, the outcome determines who you might be, right? The things that you ingest, the things that you hear, the social media that you consume, you will become the product of your, the output will become the product of all those inputs. So... <laughs> You know, I, I tell them the other, you know, the stuff they're learning at school and I'm like, golly, this is, that's crazy. And I wish there was a school on, you know, how to balance your checkbook and how to start a campfire and how to change a tire and how to, how to, how to read a P and L and how to, you know, how real life stuff, like the stuff what you're talking about, I see you smiling because you're like, how did you learn about this cost seg? But that would be an easy thing to teach our children, right? How to start a business, how to, how to open up an LLC, right? How to hire, how to fire, like how to use body language, like all these things would be the school that if that school came about, I'd be like, you guys are going there. <laughs> maybe we should, maybe we should start our own school. Right? Our I'm own telling life. you, like, you know, just life, life skills, like how to look like the other day I was teaching my son. I was like, do not, I was like, he started like getting into a habit of like, when he meets someone not looking at them, right. And just being like, Hey, you know, nice meeting. And I was like, do not, you know what that means when you do not look them in the eye, it means a, you don't respect them and a, you're not, and B, you're not trustworthy. That's just what humans is. If you can't look someone in the eye, and I was like, do not become that person. And I know I'm getting a little granular on you, but, but it's things like this, right? It's like you get, you get 18, like, you know, for you, you have an 18 year old, like your job is already done, right? There's really no going back for you. You can't be like, oh, I wish I had, you know, let's go back and let me teach you all this stuff. Like for the most part, 95% of your, your, your job is done you as a father. So either you did great, which I'm sure you did, or you blew it. And, but there's no going back on that, on those formative years, you know, Jesse Itzler, who's a friend of mine, uh, he lives in Atlanta and he has something that, that really, he said something that just really resonated. And I would like to share it with your audience. Cause I think you can't unhear something like this. 
by the time your children leave the house, let's call it 18 years old, you have spent 95% of the time that you will ever spend with them in your life, right? And and you're probably thinking like, is that true? Like, and I go back and I reflect on that. Like, yeah, the time in college was a couple of weekends here and there. I went out and got a job, a couple of weekends with my parents. Right now I see them three or four times a year, but it's not this intimate day in, day out time. And so that is a sobering statistic, which made me like even double down more on the fact of like, I need time to become my greatest driver and that time to deploy to my children because I have one chance. Which leads me into the next perfectly segue question. Do you agree that time is money or time is more valuable than money? And why? I mean, look, I mean, look, I mean, there's again, going back to the scarce resources, there's only two things. There's scarce scarcity, right? You can, you can potentially always make more money, but you can't revert back into time. So you can't revert it. So I, I it, they're a hard comparison, right? Because one's a currency and, you know, and, and one is this abstract, you know, chronological thing. Um, but I think the older you get, when you realize that you are, that you're, that you're, your, your bottle of sand, if you flipped it up and your time hour is, is more, there's more on the bottom of that glass than there's on the top. Mm-hmm. I think you start getting into things like, holy cow, this is my most valuable asset. When you're 20, you're like, I got all the time in the world. I just want money. Right. And then it flips and you think, man, my time is running out. Have I made impact? Have I created a legacy? Have I done the things I wanted to de- do? Do Have I traveled? Have I experienced, you know, I have a, t- I have something hanging on my wall, Jeff, that basically is just a big uh, canvas and it has one ticket. It says one ticket, right? And maybe you've seen, it. I think it's a Gary V thing, but it reminds you that you get one ride. There's no do-overs and you got it. And, and you can't go back and be like, well, next time in life, I'll do yeah. this. You get one ticket. And it's a, again, a sobering thing. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to a dentist last night. Um, he, you know, most people come in and they, they, they think we're going to talk about real estate, but I'm usually kind of the fatherly figure because most of these people are 30 and I'm almost, I'm almost 50. And I always like to ask them about their family and all that. He has a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I was like, man, just enjoyed. It's like, you know, yeah, that, that's great or whatever. But, you know, he's just focused on making more, making more, spending that time away from those kids. And I was like, look, everybody tells you they're, they're under your roof until they're 18. But I can tell you this, Bubba, when they're 13, 12 or 13, yeah, that's when they go, we don't really want to be around you a whole lot. Yeah. Mom yep. and dad. There's and a Goldilocks number. Sorry to cut you off, but I'm right there with you. Right. So I actually, I don't know if you're saying like, Hey, did that guy, the three and the one, like take more time with them. I'm of the mindset. Kids don't remember anything before five, four or five, a little bit. Right. But that five to 12 years of age is your Goldilocks years. Yep. Right. Because that, like you said, they don't really remember anything before four. Let's just call it four, four too much. And they don't really want to be with you after 12. So you really got eight years with your children. Yeah. So that that's that's what I was that's what that was my thing to him. I was like, look, you want to do all this stuff, you want to open more practices, you want to do this and that. I said, you can do all that after they're 13 or 14 years old. Cause they don't want or, to be or before you could be before. on the gas and be just obsessive with learning, like, oh man, I have a kid. I've got four years to blast this out and become, you know, this entrepreneurial phenom. Who knows? Right. Yeah. But like, but you're right. I think you 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 put that 
into a sustainability mode um, when you're when they're you know of the ages we were just talking about. Well, I wish somebody would have told me that because you know you don't know what you don't know, and I did not know that. I'm just like, okay, we're going to go to the beach every yeah. year and this and that, and then when they're 14, 15, like dad, um, I really don't want to go to the beach. I want to hang here with my friends. I'm like, yeah. wait, what a minute, you're wait seriously? But you know that's life. That's just that's that it is what it is. So. I'm trying to educate people based on my experiences. And if I could go back and do things differently, you know, that's one of the things that uh, I would have done. And I'm encouraging people, like you said, either before the, what you called the goalie, goalie lock years, or you got, you know, the rest of your life after they move out to, to make more money or do totally. what, all that, you know? And it's almost, you know, they always say like, you know, your higher, your highest income earning years are, you know, typically late forties, late fifties or fifties, late, 40s to late 50s kind of thing. So you're right. Like, don't worry about not being able to make a lick, right? Your lick of being able to retire. And there's another good book, like Die With Zero. You ever seen that? Read that book? Yeah, I sure have. So that's a great philosophy because we think that we're going to need all this money in retirement. And then kind of that book proves like you, you're going to need like a quarter of that. I don't know if you can see that or not. Yeah, it kind of, yeah. It, yeah. So that's a good book to be like, okay, well, maybe I don't need to hustle as much as I have been unless it's absolutely pulling you and that's what your fulfillment and your purpose and your desires are and you're doing it for the benefit of your family like that's a great mission a great well in, in that book he talked about you know having just a blowout i think when he i don't know if he turned 40 or 50 or whatever but i turned 50 next year and i'm i'm glad i read that book because i just want to just blow it all out i'm going to invite all the people that are close to me no expenses. We're just, we're going to go all at it because you know what, what, what's the, what's the point of dying with all of this money, all the money that you can't, that you can't use, you know? So I, I, I ask myself, and this is my own little rule and make it real quick, but to your point about a blowout of the 50th, I evaluate things on with things like that, where, where it seems excessive or I'm buying something I shouldn't, or I'm doing something I shouldn't even in business sometimes. But it's called my 880 rule, right? And so what would my eight-year-old self say? Would he give a thumbs up or a thumbs down like that? And what would my 80-year-old say as we're looking back at my life? And your 80-year-old self, I think, is probably the more important one at this point because he's not going to look at you and say, Jeff, you shouldn't have spent all that money for your 50th. That was ridiculous, right? He's going to say, you should have gone 2x that, right? Because that's the thing we're happy about now as we reflect back on our life. We're looking at all those memories and the celebration of such. Um, and I think that's where the entrepreneurs get so wrapped up, right? And I know I'm, I'm guilty of this where we're, we have a goal, we have lists, we have things and we accomplish them. And then it's immediately next, 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 next. And we never stop to just say, huh, look at all the cool stuff I've done. Look at all the lives that I've impacted. Look at all the things that have been done, right? And we never take inventory and stop long enough to just smell those roses. Yep. And I was hoping maybe getting a sponsorship from the Bulletproof Mastermind to take care of all those expenses next year, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> you got it. You got it. You got it. So speaking of Bulletproof Mastermind and Bulletproof, we're, we're talking a lot about Bulletproof Summit and this and that. Mm -hmm. tell, tell me tell me more about it. Tell me what it's about, who it's for, what you do. Uh, really, really curious about it. Yeah. So Bulletproof started as a, as a podcast in 2016. I started it um, by myself. Cause I was just sitting there finding myself, honestly, Jeff yelling at other dental podcasts in my car and be like, that's not right. That's not how you do it. And I said, either I can take action and create my own, or I can just be the grumpy old guy in the car. 
<laughs> and so I took action, right? And then about five months into it, um, I became close friends with my now business partner in it, uh, Dr. Craig Spodak, who's in South Florida. One of the most iconic practices in the nation. Looks like, you know, it's just the Tesla of, of practices He's in Delray. And he and I just kind of immediately were, were best friends kind of thing, right? Our practices were very similar. The way we addressed things was very similar. We had different ways in which we got to our goals, right? Of, of he wanted to be you know, he's more gregarious and more of a Tony Robbins kind of guy and rah, rah, rah. I wanted to be in a giant stage with his people doing dentistry. And I wanted to kind of go more real estate and be a little more reclusive and not be out there all the time. But but we got there kind of in the same way. So Bulletproof then evolved from going from a podcast to then writing a book together, then having our first conference. And like I said, I think I alluded to that when we hit record, we just had our sixth conference in Las Vegas and each one has, has, has thankfully grown. Uh, so this one had about 500 people and tons of sponsors and it just amazing energy as it was in Vegas at the wind, we had the whole wind ballroom. Um, and, and Craig and I take a lot of pride in the fact that we have something called a bulletproof mastermind. Mm-hmm. And so we coached dentists on a, on a 12 month continuum of something called the bulletproof pathway, where it takes you from the vision and the marketing and how to build and how to refer and how to retain, how to recapture and your KPIs, all these things I could share with you, the, the bulletproof pathway, because it's something I created. It was one of those shower moments. And I finished it and and wrote it all out one day. And I told Craig, I was like, this is my legacy piece. Like it's it because it's I heard on a podcast that, and this guy was kind of like poo-pooing dentistry, saying it's too hard, it's too complex, it's too complicated. And dentistry is complex, but it is not complicated. Right, you, it can be broken down into bite-sized segments, but if you look at it as just an agnostic thirty-thousand-foot view, you're like, "Oh, that seems complicated." But when you break it down and eat the elephant one bite at a time, it's it's not it's not so complicated. It's, um, but it is complex, right? And it does take a lot of attention. So our mission at Bulletproof is really, we are huge fans. Craig is a third-generation dentist. Um, I am first-generation, but I just love dentistry, right? That freedom of direction I spoke about. And our mission is to is to help dentists become bulletproof in the era of consolidation or DSO takeover, or you know, um, it's helping dentists who want to stay independent do that and become become dominant in their city or their town and never feel vulnerable like they have to sell to someone out of weakness. Right? I always say operate from a position of strength, not from a position of weakness. And so that is our battle cry is keeping dentistry independent if it wants to be. That's, That's it. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of my physician colleagues would love to say that, would love to have that opportunity, but they can't. They cannot because consolidation has given limited options. Yep. Um, and, you know, and I think, I think consolidation is obviously we all know what's happening in, in dentistry. Um, it's slowed now because of of interest rates, of course, right? Or that multiples have gotten less because of interest rates because they're all usually debt funded PE ventures. Um, but but I think it's good for dentistry to stay independent. I think I think where we are right now is a combination of probably forty percent consolidation, and maybe sixty percent independent. And I think that's a good mix personally. So if I can help keep that mix <laughs> through my teachings and helping people feel feel bulletproof, 
then uh, then that's what that's what we do. And it's really fulfilling because you, Jeff, probably you stood on the shoulders of many giants as your mentors or teachers. And dentistry is a very lonely place, right? You know, that's why our suicide rates are, are super high. That's why our divorce rates are high. That's why, you know, sometimes there's pill addiction. This is it can be lonely, right? You're operating on your own little island by yourself. So I always encourage people, if it's not bulletproof you get involved with, get involved with something, your local study group, maybe maybe a group like yours where debt-free doctors talking about, but get in a collaboration where someone is genuinely wanting the success of you. Not just your teammates that you're not just your uh, your team that you're paying and writing paychecks, right? Make sure that you're getting an environment where you're stimulated by whatever it is that draws you, and don't function in a lonely environment because I think that's the that's that's the you know bad things happen there. I think that's a great point to end on, and I do want to, with your permission, get you back because I do want to learn more about the the different points of bulletproof, and and there's a whole another topic that I wanted to get into about fitness and nutrition and oh, that yeah. sort of thing and how important that is. So I, I could, I could spend hours doing that. So uh, I would love to reach back out to you. At yeah, some I'm, a quasi, I'm a quasi biohacker. So I'm, I'll be dangerous on that, on that pod. Awesome. So, but, but also just traditional health and medicine. So I, th- those are topics that uh, I would love to talk about again, the bullet, I can unpack the pathway, right? Yeah. Because then, then in the bottom of the pathway, Jeff, after that, that KPIs and your things, if we, we get into things like real estate, right? And mergers and acquisitions and multiple locations and, and things like that. So it's the pathway evolves into using, you know, how to grow your practice, how to create income from it, and then how to deploy it outside of your practice or multiple locations. So it's a complete, a complete cycle. So it's, um, again, would love to love to get back on and talk about it. Excellent. We'll do that now for, for those right now that want to learn more about what you do or connect, mm-hmm. If if you want to just send that, if you want to share it, go ahead. But we'll, yeah, it's we'll- Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. So you can search it in iTunes. That's where we do it. We also do a lot of YouTube now because it's it's uh, we kind of just put our our uh, our podcast on YouTube, and so that's be- that's growing and become popular. So you can just search Bulletproof, um, and then the website, you know, where we talks about our seminars and our conferences, our mastermind, our book is is bulletproofdentalpractice.com. If you don't mind, if you, if you send me all, everything and I'll okay. put all the links, I'll make it very easy for, for you sure. guys. I'll put all I'll the links it. below this uh, video. Yeah. Uh, Peter, thanks again. Uh, and I will be reaching out for part two. Love it. Love it, Jeff. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much.